At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Bam, what is going on? This is the DFS D-Gen Nation pod. First time saying that, this might be a, uh, a new voice if you've only ever checked the D-Gen Nation pod. I am Cody Kutzer. You can find me at FF. Kind of trying to you know fill the shoes of, of Ryan Williams here for the, uh, you know, at least temporarily for now. They're, they're big shoes. But I do know the first thing I have to say is uh, I am joined by Matty Buckets at Matty DFS, as well as the CEO of TFA Child Please, Kevin Still at Fantasy Rat 13. Boys are going to be talking some uh, some best ball tonight. Going to be talking about some top stacks. We kind of decided we we would fill this out by going some uh, some high price stacks, some mid price and low low price. But the first thing we want to get out of the way, and I'm glad you guys brought this up pre show is the difference in how you're attacking your roster construction, whether you're playing just like the, the standard 12-team kind of you know kind of drafts or if you're jumping into some of the tournaments. Maddie, you were saying that you only do tournaments. Kev, I know you kind of you kind of sprinkle across all of them. So I'm uh, I'm excited to get your guys' thoughts on that. So let's talk a little bit, a uh, little construction, just the differences in how you're building these teams, and then we'll get into some of these stacks yeah so i'll start it off from the tournament perspective um i mean i've always been a dfs mind and i've never really got heavily into cash games and dfs so that's just kind of trickled over into my best ball portfolio um you know i i just have always focused on tournaments and and that's just kind of how my mindset works i try to be a little bit contrarian uh wherever i can and that's so like my my game and approach just fits tournament builds so that's just that's just what I do. So, um, you know, probably the biggest thing, biggest takeaway from attacking tournaments and best ball um, as opposed to cash games is the stacking perspective. Uh, Cause you're really looking for monster upside weeks uh, that can really separate you from the field. Um, and, and a lot of people just like to take best available uh, and which that is completely fine. If you're just playing a 12 man league, uh, where you know it pays out first through third, um, and, and you're not looking to beat you know thousands of other teams that have also stacked rosters. Uh, so yeah, stacking is way more important in tournaments, and we'll definitely talk about some. Um, and yeah, it's just I mean, really, you got you have to be contrarian at some point. Um, you know, getting your builds to be a little bit different. Uh, you know, whether it's pairing. You know, if you have a bunch of chiefs 
on your team and you know, you know, a lot of people are going to have Chiefs stacked up, then maybe going with a contrarian second stack that not many people are going to have. That way you, you know, maybe if that second stack goes off and, and nobody has a, a Chiefs paired with like, let's say a Dolphins stack, um, you know, that and that those are like the top two, two of the top five offenses that year, um, you know, your team is going to be pretty good. So um, it's all about best ball is all about weekly upside. Your, your zero point guys do not matter. Um, so the, I've talked about this and I'll talk about it again. I would rather have a guy who scores zero points one week and 30 points the next, as opposed to a guy who's going to give me 15 and 15 for the same 30 point total uh, best ball. Cause w- when that guy scores zero, he's being replaced by somebody else who scored points. And when he scores 30, he's in your lineup. So you really scored more than 30 as a team. Um, but if your guy's getting 15 and 15, there's likely a chance, you know, maybe he's replacing somebody who got 12 points, whereas that 12 could have been combined with 30 to get you to 42 instead of 30. So yeah, it's a, it's all about weekly upside, and we'll talk about some stacks, but um, that's that's the biggest difference for me. Kev, real quick before you jump in, Maddie, how, how many different tournament teams, or I guess just how many entries are, are you typically doing by the time the uh, the season rolls around? I'll probably have more this year just because I'm going to get started earlier than I normally have, and I've typically in the past have had probably 50 teams in like uh, the tournaments that allow you to have 150. I'm going to try to get over the 100 team mark this year. Um, that way, um, you know, I can really, really spread out my exposure to, to more teams that I want to attack. And that way you can also kind of spread yourself away from injuries as well. Whereas if you're, if you're only playing like 10 teams and let's say you draft the guy on seven, same guy on seven of them, and he was like your third round pick and he gets hurt, you know, your, your portfolio is kind of busted. So it's, it is very important to, you know, try to spread out your portfolio and not go severely overweight on, on, you know, any individual player and and do that by just playing more teams. And if, you know, they have different price point tournaments too. So like there, I know that they'll roll out $5 tournaments. There'll be $25 tournaments. There'll be $125 tournaments. So, you know, if you want to play a hundred teams in the $5, uh, I would do that before spending $500 to play in like the 150 or the, or the $25. That way you get more exposure and you have more combinations and you still got a shot at good money. Um, the tournaments still have good payouts up top. Uh, and, and you generally see some weaker competition in those low, low dollar fields, which, which we know is true in DFS too. So um, I definitely encourage you to, if you, especially for, you know, first timers, just, just do more drafts at, at a cheaper price because I mean, drafting is the fun part of, of, fantasy football anyways right so i mean that's all you're doing in best ball is just drafting 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 and drafting so i mean you can't really beat that no and i I think i I do think the one thing i like too about underdog um is the fact that the way that it allows you because you can preset all of your rankings um and you can also set limits uh so so like if you if you want to i mean you could you could join 30 different drafts in one day and you don't even have to draft any of them. You can allow it to auto draft for you, set limits for everything. So, you know, you don't get seven quarterbacks and, you know, if you set your rankings right and everything, like it, it pretty much does it for by itself. You can also set limits on, on players and stuff like that and take players off the board. So um, I, that's one thing I do really like underdog is by far, in my opinion, the, the best best ball uh, platform there is. Um, I used to do uh, MFL tens and, um, or best ball tens, I guess now is what they call them, but, and they are, uh, but now finally underdog is in Missouri. So I can play underdog. I just, I've absolutely loved uh, underdog so far. I also think something smart too is 
um, if you're, if you're going to play tournaments as well, is, is getting in some like at, at certain point of times of the year. Because, you know, obviously ADP is going to change drastically now. Um, and you can get an edge. Maybe you dra- you're able to get a player a little bit earlier than what you normally would um, what, what, once August gets here. Because when August gets here, we get all this information, and ADP is going to fluctuate wildly on preseason. You know there's going to be probably some guys that get hurt and go down with an injury. And so all of a sudden, you know, if Ezekiel Elliott tears his ACL in training camp, then Tony Pollard all of a sudden, who you're getting in the ninth, tenth round now, who he's going to be a second-round pick. Um, you know, in August. So there's different variables there. So I think spreading your, your exposure out to what, you know, your teams and everything else uh, over a course of the off season, I think is a smart move too, but I would go lighter, you know, the earlier you are compared to, you know, uh, in, um, in August. Cause I do think there's a big edge for the people that really dig in that really do as much uh, um, research on all this stuff and really are paying attention. Uh, there's a, still a pretty big edge in terms of roster construction and everything else, if you draft in August, where you have all the information at hand. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's something I was I was actually talking with Cody about uh, pre-show too. Um, because, I mean, really, the the what makes you a good player is you're able to digest the information available that at that point in time. And you can, you know, take that information you have and create better teams than – than everybody else based on that same information. So, you know, whether there's injuries or not injuries, you know, being able to spread out your exposure to teams across the different points of the off season um, and being able to make informed decisions uh, at those different points in time, you know, that, that really helps you, you know, like you said, level out your portfolio exposure to different players uh, and situations as they, as they arise. Good stuff, fellas. Shout out to Walido rocking with us in the chat, hitting us with that $5 Canadian pristine super chat. We appreciate you, man. Ashton also rocking with us. Let's go ahead and just dive into some of these uh, top stacks early on at this point. We are looking at underdog ADP, like Kev was saying, with his favorite place to play. Uh, we cut, Like I said at the, at the outset, we kind of broke this down by high-priced, mid-priced, and then cheap. So we, we're kind of looking at at players for the high price that are in the rounds one to four. Nothing is going to fit perfectly, especially, you know, when you're looking at quarterbacks in this range, because there's only going to be a, a handful that are going here. Maddie, I know you and I had some similar thoughts. You being the Cowboys fan, I'll leave that one for you. But the other one that that we also both liked was the, uh, was the Chargers. Obviously, Herbert not going in the top four rounds, but he is going in the uh, inside the sixth round on underdog and then you're looking at guys like austin eckler and keenan allen obviously eckler going around that one two turn typically more toward the uh the early second and then keenan allen is a uh, is a third round pick but i mean they they didn't bring anything else in in terms of the uh the pass catchers outside of josh palmer uh, obviously they bring back mike williams on his fifth year option completely revamped that uh that offensive line bringing in guys like slater Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley. So I really like this stack here. And we saw what Herbert was able to do. I think we're looking at Eckler and Keenan leading this team in targets as long as Eckler is able to stay healthy. And obviously that is going to be a theme the same that it was last year. You're going to see it in best ball. You're going to see it in your redraft leagues by the time that August rolls around. But running backs are going to go hot and heavy. So you're going to have to snag Eckler, like I said, beginning of the second typically where he's going. And then, you know, Keenan Allen, just a PPR machine. And uh, I, I I really hope that we have made it past the 
Keenan Allen injury prone bullshit tagline that that he was you know having to carry the weight of that for for so long because he uh, I really don't think he's missed many games over the past three to four seasons so uh, you know like I said that that offensive line looking good I, I'm not I'm not worried about the the new coaching staff they brought in I really don't see too much changing in terms of how they're going to attack that offense I mean that that defense is as good as it looks every single year for whatever reason that that defense and that team as a whole just can't stay healthy. So I think we, uh, I think we see the pass attempts and the the target volume kind of remain the same. So the chargers is a, is an early high price stack that I like. Yeah. I don't hate that either. And uh, I mean, it sounds like there's a, a, a shot that they could get Julio Jones. As well. um, he's kind of the big domino that we're kind of waiting to see where he's going to end up here. Probably next, or I, I, I think there's a pretty good chance where that trade's going to happen next week. As soon as it's June 1st and they can designate as a post June 1st trade. And now with, you know, the stuff coming out with him being on uh, live TV saying he's out of there um, doesn't really help the situation either, but uh, I do think there's a chance that that's where you could go. They're, they're one of the few teams that actually have the cap space right now to be able to facilitate that trade. They're kind of a team that is obviously chasing the Chiefs. You know, I, I don't mind that move for them because, you know, if you have Justin Herbert, who is still on his rookie contract and, you know, doing it right and maximizing that rookie contract and, you know, you can get Julio Jones in there for two years, why he still is is, is under that contract. The offensive line is going to be a lot better. Like, I, I think that automatically, you know, Mike Williams is on a one-year deal Anyways, um, his final they picked up his fifth year option, and this is will likely be his final year with the Chargers. So, you know, Julio Keenan Allen could be a lot of fun as well. Some shootouts there in the AFC West with, um, you know, this division could get really wild too if the uh, Broncos trade for Aaron Rodgers. Could you imagine that? Aaron Rodgers with the Broncos, Pat Mahomes, and then Justin Herbert with Julio and Keenan Allen? Filthy. Like like we've said before too, those are that's also a division with uh, solid defensive play as well. So that would uh, that would just be good football all around. Walido, you need to pump the brakes on on Julio to Tennessee. Why why do you want that? I, I want Julio to have more than a hundred targets. So you need to uh, you need to pipe down, sir. Uh, Kev, we know who you're going to talk about, Maddie. Why don't you go ahead and jump in on the uh, aforementioned Cowboy stack? Yeah, and I will just note on on Herbert too. They the biggest thing for me on them is they address their offensive line issues. Uh, you know, drafting Slater and brought in Lindsley from Green Bay, um, so definitely a big boost to to him in that regard as well. Uh, keep keep him healthy, keep him you know not not ha- have what happened to Joe Burrow happen to happen to Herbert. Um, so they definitely have the weapons there in, in the in LA. So I, I definitely love that. But yeah, I, the clear number one for me is, is Dallas. I mean, they didn't really do anything to address their defensive issues. Um, and I mean, there's not really much they could have done because that's just how bad they were last year. Um, you know, I mean, they are going to see a defensive scheme change bringing in, uh, uh, you know, Dan Quinn, former C- the, you know, Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator when they were like the Legion of boom. And then, uh, in Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta wasn't that good of a defensive unit. Uh, but I mean, they did deal with a ton of defensive injuries. So, I mean, I guess maybe a defensive scheme change could help them. But at the same time, I mean, the personnel just is not going to get that much better on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, Dallas is going to be forced to play fast. They're going to be forced to be playing from behind a good chunk of the time. Um, you know, it, the, Dallas is going to have to score 30 points a game to have winning record. Um, but, I mean, that's completely realistic. And we saw the the five-game pace Dak was on last year. 
uh, you know, before the unfortunate ankle injury. Uh, Deshaun Watson led the league in passing yards with 4,800. Uh, and Dak was on a 16-game pace of 5,900 yards. That's over 1,100 yards more uh, than, than the NFL passing leader, which is just absolutely insane. And, I mean, he was not going to throw, keep throwing for 400 yards every game. But, I mean, you know, they were playing from behind, and, and that's just the game script that was forced to him. And he's got freaking Amari Cooper, uh, year two CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Michael Gallup's still there. You know, they're going to get uh, – their tight ends are going to be back in full force. They still do have Zeke. Uh, they've got Pollard they can do creative things with. They're getting involved more in the offense. It's just that offense is going to be a top three uh, unit overall. Um, and, and it's going to be because of the pass game. Now, they may not, you know, they may not have as many designed runs for Dak, but Dak is a competitor. And when he gets a chance to get out on the edge and, and make plays with his legs, he's going to, you know, he's going to do that. He's not going to shy away from, you know, making big runs happen just because of his past ankle injury. Uh, I just I just think that's who Dak is. He's a competitor. He's not afraid to, to take hits on. Um, that's just always been who he is. So I, I think that, you know, if there is some concern about the the ankle and the rushing upside, I mean, that is warranted. There may not be, you know, as many design runs for him. But, I mean, he flashed his upside with his arm last year anyways. So um, I, I think that, that that concern, you know, is not – shouldn't be as weighed as heavily as, as maybe some people would think. So, yeah, I, I'm all in on the Cowboys. They're just way too talented. You know, they play inside in a dome and have no defense. So – I think it's more of the same from what we saw the first five games last year. Real quick before we throw it to Kev, who do you think ends up being the starting tight end? Do you think it goes right back to Jarwin, or do we do you think Schultz is going to be a little more involved with how well he played last year? I think it goes back to Jarwin, assuming he's all systems go. Um, I mean, he he is the better pass catcher. Uh, Schultz Schultz was just a byproduct of how good that offense was in the system that you know. I mean, you got to focus on the other three guys first uh, and, and you have to try to stop the run too. Like it's just a pick your poison kind of, kind of offense really. So um, I, I think Schultz was more of a byproduct of how good everybody else around him was. And I think Jarwin's definitely the better pass catcher. Kev, the KC stack and is it viable? Can you do it? I mean, you can do it, but <laughs> being able to pull it off is, is a whole, is a whole other Did you guys hear that? Yeah. What the hell was that? <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. I was like, little kids laughing or something? <laughs> you need to go check on something? What the hell was that? <laughs> I don't know, man, but that's my uh my that that's like one of like scary movies, like little kids and like old grandmothers. Like I just I can't I can't do it, man. That like that'll get me to close my eyes faster faster than anything. Oh my god. <laughs> I was gonna talk and all of a sudden <laughs> that fucking threw me off. All right. Let me get back. Hopefully I doesn't do that again. I don't know what the hell that was. Uh all right. Uh what was I talking about? <laughs> Chiefs. All right, yeah, but that, that stack is is, is is so tough to pull off because you have you have Kelsey and Tyreek who are both going in the first round. Kelsey's going seven point three, Tyreek's going nine point three, and then you have Mahomes who's going thirty four point two, QB one, and then Clyde Edwards-Helaire who now for the brand is is really starting to move up draft boards and now going at twenty one point nine or RB fifteen. So 
you're, you really the, the, your best bet is if you're picking kind of in that later part of the first round where you can pick Kelsey or Tyreek. More than likely, it's going to be Tyreek, and then run it back in the second round with Mahomes. But to really fill out the stack, you're going to have to go and because Clyde Edwards Hilaire is probably going to be off the board by the time you pick in the third. So you're going to have to go to the secondary pieces of this offense and you know pick your poison whether it's mccall hardman demarcus robinson byron pringle or cornell powell unless they bring in another wide receiver which is still possible uh you know i think they are the dark horse for julio jones because brett beach is a madman and will do whatever he can to, to um to make it work but regardless of that um you know, I don't mind going with some of these secondary guys, taking shots on McCole Hardman, who's wide receiver 50. You got Demarcus Robinson. I I, I don't really care for that. But um, I do think McCole Hardman, at least in best ball, does make a little bit more sense because of that spiked weeks that he's going to have. But he's, uh, you know, in redraft, it's a little bit different where, you know, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to predict the weeks that he's going to go off. But I think in, in best ball, I do think McCole Hardman makes some sense. And he's going wide receiver 50, 112.2. So I don't mind that, you know, in the secondary sack. But the problem with, with going that is, is with the Chiefs is mainly the fact that um, it just it hit me again once happened. <laughs> is uh is is what you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to assimil- essentially punt you know like you're not gonna get a, t- a top running back more than likely uh, i guess you could get one possibly in the third round depending on how it falls but a lot the way the running backs are falling off the draft board uh you know it, you're you're really investing some heavy 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 gra- capital into this stack to make it work and while you know this this chief's offense is one of the top five best offenses in all of football I would personally like I I would want some exposure to this team, but obviously, but I think that you might be better suited uh, going with a, a stack that's going a little bit later and maybe trying to get some of these other pieces, maybe a secondary piece of this of this team, or going you know in the later rounds with a Hardman and a Byron Pringle or, or Cornell Powell or something like that. To getting more of a secondary stack to this instead of going with the full all because if you're going doing that, you're going all in and you're going to have to hope to hit on your other pieces. Kev, obviously you're probably going to have to make that choice between Tyreek and Kelsey. You're probably going to switch those up if you're, you know, looking to get that stack. But, you know, who would you prefer just, you know, who do you think you'll have more exposure to if that's a stack that you were going after? Would you lean Tyreek or would you lean Kelsey there? I would probably lean Tyreek just because of his absolute boom upside that he has, where Kelsey's a little – I mean, Kelsey will have those weeks where he's going to give you 30, but, I mean – Tyreek has those weeks where he's going to give you 35 to 40 and you'll have multiple of those, you know, where he will outright win you a week um, or, or multiple weeks. And so just that massive ceiling he has and nothing's really changed with this offense. Like I said, I mean, they lost Sammy Watkins, so nothing has really changed whether they had Sammy Watkins or he was there or he wasn't because Sammy Watkins was always hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's embarrassing. You know, could you imagine being a truther of Sammy Watkins? <laughs> Couldn't be me, but anyways, and it's a sad thing too, is we could have had Allen Robinson with the money we paid Sammy Watkins and we paid Sammy Watkins. Like that is the one downfall of Brett Beach that I'll never get over. But regardless of that, I, I don't think you have to because I think you can go get Darren Waller in the second round. Like Darren Waller is, is putting up very similar numbers to Travis Kelsey. They're right there neck and neck. And one's going, you know, a little bit later than than what, what Kelsey is. So um, if you're wanting to go, you know, if you're going a different round of a stack, but you want to get, uh, you know, I, I like going Tyreek early. I don't mind going late first round and getting Tyreek and then second, 
going in and getting Darren Waller and being good at tight end because Darren Waller is going to get 150 targets this year because the Raiders still have fucking nobody to throw the ball to um, outside of Brian Edwards. But, uh, um, you know, <laughs> that, but right now, I mean, that's, the Raiders team is set up that way is where Darren Waller is going to see 150 targets again this year. And so if I can get a little bit of a discount, I'd probably prefer going Darren Waller than going Travis Kelsey, you know, with the top six pick. That makes sense. Let's go ahead and move things to our mid price stacks. If you're rocking with us and you're not yet subscribed, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up as well. Give us, give us a little like. Make make Kev feel good, you know, in case his uh, in case his house ends up haunted after after the night. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Let's let's be honest. Kev definitely plays with children's dolls, and that that was one that just randomly went off in the uh, in, in the corner. He's not used to being down in the living room. But anyway, Maddie, let's throw it to you uh, again. Looking at our mid price stacks, the way we kind of broke this one down is guys who are going in rounds five to nine give or take over on underdog ADP. Yeah. So, uh, especially with, um, you know, dude, with how, with how spread out some of these stacks are, I think there's one stack that it, they're all kind of condensed into the same range and, and it kind of allows you to actually like stack them up if you're looking for like a mid range stack. And, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's undervalued. Uh, he's currently going at 55 ADP. So you're looking at like the fifth to sixth round. Um, and, and he was what, QB2 off the board last year. Um, and so now you're looking at QB4. He's going just ahead of Dak. Um, and, and I think, you know, people were taking him in the second round uh, because of his rushing upside and, you know, how good that Ravens offense was in 2019, uh, which Lamar Jackson had an unreal season in 2019 uh he led everybody in fantasy points that year which it's not out of the realm of possibility that that happens again um and and if he does that i mean he he ran for a thousand yards last year uh, and, and had kind of a mediocre season um so i mean it wasn't his legs that were the issue it, it was more so the the passing yards and the passing touchdowns that that kind of dipped from from 2019 so um if he's going to get back into that top you know top qb uh, overall range, it's going to be because of the passing production. And this is finally, you know, he's finally got some talent, talented weapons to throw the ball to. And it's not just a bunch of tight ends uh, or to, or wide receivers that are in tight end bodies like freaking Miles Boykin. So um, I love the fact that, you know, that, that, that they drafted Rashad Bateman, uh, you know, bringing in Sammy Watkins. Watkins is not going to be some high volume guy. And that's not really what the Ravens offense is. You know, he's going to be a guy who catches a couple passes a game, but he's, he's explosive enough still that, you know, he, he's somebody you have to respect on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they still have Hollywood Brown who can take the top off. And, and I know Kev, I know we talked about Hollywood Brown a million times on, on each DFS pod, uh, you know, how he was due. He was due because he was getting so much, you know, predictive stat production, like all he was getting all the air yards and, and was not catching any of his of his targets. Um, so, I mean, he's due for a bounce back year and he he has a low ADP. Uh, I think he's going around 100. Um, and you've got, like I said, Bateman and and Watkins are there to, to round out the wide receivers. And then Mark Andrews is, is being drafted uh, pretty low for his standards at, at tight end position as well. He's currently fifth tight end off the board behind Kyle Pitts, which is kind of funny. Um, 
at 61 ADP. So, I mean, that's another guy you're looking at mid mid range value for, you know, an offense that legit could be a top three offense in the NFL. Uh, I, I'm in on the Baltimore Ravens. I like uh, the one of the early reports I saw too. Uh, you know, again, it's it's super early, but following the the rookie mini camps was with Bateman working on the outside, and that that's one thing I I'm not favorable on. But what that does is that pushes Marquise Brown into the slot. So I think that is a that, that is a much better spot for him. And as far as Lamar as a passer, the middle of the field is where he's much more comfortable, yep. uh, more accurate. So I think uh, Marquise Brown is going to be going very undervalued, and he's someone who I'm definitely going to be on in, in all formats this year, whether going out and trying to buy him cheap in Dynasty, getting him in redraft, and obviously in, uh, in best ball as well. Kev, yeah. what you have – sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's that's a good point too. And and if that happens, I mean, think about like the kind of high low combos you can run. Marquise Brown, you know, going over the top a little bit across the middle of the field, and you got Mark Andrews underneath across the middle of the field. And I, I just think that that's schematically that that makes a ton of sense. Um, and then the other two receiver spots, uh, you're re- you're replacing Des Bryant and Willie Sneed with Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins. So it's definitely an upgrade all around for the Ravens offense. Um, and and um, I'm back in on them again this year. I am super curious to see what, what it meant whenever the quote came out that, you know, we're going to see this Ravens offense doing things they've never done before. I'm, it's like, what does that mean? Lamar Jackson's going to have more than 500 pass attempts. Like what, like, what, like what is that? But you know, they, there should be some coaches on the hot seat with how that offense has performed. So hopefully we do get, you know what I mean? Some, some pass attempts at Dobbins. Hopefully he gets involved in the passing game. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a huge part with Lamar and, and taking off and everything, but I, I am also buying back in on this, uh, on this Ravens offense. And I think they are going to be undervalued. Kev, what do you have for the mid price stacks? Who do you like here? And shout out to, shout out to Mr. Clever Lang coming through with that 499 super chat. Uh, the thing I that I don't like about the news coming out with Bateman is I really hope they just don't plug him on the outside. I hope they move him around because that that's something that he showed that he can do at Minnesota, but I I am I also have some of these same concerns, CJ. Yeah, and and I think the Ravens offense is going to be, you know, it's going not going to be something where it's not going to be like a chief's offense where multiple guys are going to explode on a weekly basis. It's going to be one guy explodes one week, different guy explodes the next week. And so like you're stacking them for that purpose that you're just trying to pair Lamar, which with, with whichever guy goes for a hundred yards and two touchdowns, whether it's Mark Andrews or whether Hollywood Brown catches three passes for 125 yards and two scores, you know, you're just trying to, to capture that, that high upside guy that's going with him. That's really the purpose of the Ravens stack. Uh, as opposed to the Chiefs or, or the Cowboys stack, you know, you're kind of banking on multiple guys getting there on a weekly basis because of that, how how much draft capital you have to invest in them. So for mine, I went with a good old Philadelphia Eagles stack and Jalen Hurts, who continues to hover right around that QB8, QB9. We saw last year uh, the short sample size that we did, but how explosive he could be as a runner. Uh, I think he is somebody that is primed to be this year's 
Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, however you want to word it. Um, I think he has the ability in the upside to get you 800 rushing yards. And I also think that, you know, with the way the rest of the stack set, sets up, like you're not really investing a heavy draft capital into it either. Because as, as things currently stand, Jalen Hurts is 79.4 QB8. Devontae Smith is 80.7 or wide receiver 37. You have Jalen Rager, who's 127.3, wide receiver 55. And then Dallas Goddard, who's 83.7 or tight end seven. You're not really investing a ton in it to, to make this stack work. And I think this offense does take a pretty big step forward this year in, in 2021. I like Devontae Smith. I like. I think he is going to be the alpha in this offense. I think he's going to be the wide receiver one out of the gate. But I also think Jalen Rager, who a lot of people are down on and basically write off because it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of uh, league. And because he, he struggled last year, people are going to be off of him and not want any part of that. And I think that's a big mistake. You have to remember, like when, when one, they got no preseason. He got hurt early on in the process and then when he came back that offense was dog shit that team was dog shit right and so like i think people are 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 riding jalen rager off a little bit too soon do i think he's gonna all of a sudden be some top five wide receiver no but i think he can be a very strong wide receiver two, wide receiver three type in the nfl and i think now with adding Devontae a, a, a J, or dallas goddard i think this offense can take a, a pretty big step forward this year they, you know, the offensive line is going to be back healthy. I think all those things considered, I, I think the Eagles stack, I think, makes a lot of sense. And one, with getting Jalen Hurts with that Konami code upside, I think makes a lot of sense. And I think now with some more, you know, really, you know, young nucleus in terms of this offense, I think I think this, this offense is going to be much better than what we saw last year. Um, and so I like getting uh, my hands in this on this offense because it's not one you're going to have to invest heavy draft capital in. If you want to go the running back, uh, you could with Miles Sanders, but he's not even being drafted that high um, compared to where he was going last year at RB 18, 31.5. And with all the running backs they have there, I don't think Miles Sanders is going to move up that high. He's another running back that kind of scorned people a little bit. He didn't give you the output you were looking for as much last year. And so I don't think Miles Sanders really moves up all that much either. And he's kind of in a value uh, spot where he's going right now too. So I just like this entire Eagles offense to take a big step forward this year. And let's face it, getting to play in the NFC East where all of those teams outside of Washington football team, they don't you know, have the only defense at all, right? The Giants – defense is suspect the cowboys have no defense you're going to see a lot of shootouts between these teams and so i i like i like where this 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 team is at and i I like this offense quite a bit for sure uh maddie i know you brought up the seahawks uh pre-chat so i'll I'll let you take a look at that and then kind of gather your thoughts and i'll talk about my uh my mid stack here real quick and then we'll get to walito's question but the uh the the team that i'm stacking in these mid rounds is going to be the cincinnati Bengals. i mean maddie you were talking about how bad the cowboys defense was and you know them not being able to do too much because of how bad it was well same thing applies here to the Bengals. i know they you know they they kind of switched out edge defenders uh with with lawson and uh lawson and trey they are going to have some guys coming back in the secondary who were injured I know they brought in Mike Hilton, but it's still not going to be a, a great defense by any means. Nothing that's going to keep them with with the ability to control the clock or do anything like that. But you're looking at Joe Burrow going at QB9 with an ADP of 92. Obviously, Joe Mixon, he doesn't fit into the 5-9 to nine round range here. 
like so you're gonna have to reach on him a little bit. And this is just this is so crazy to say out loud just with how thirsty it is with running backs. But he he is RB twelve and carries an ADP of fifteen. RB twelve, ADP of fifteen. That is just how ridiculous the 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 running back thirst is this year. And then I, I was a little surprised to see how far Jamar Chase has moved up. He's kind of on that four or five turn. He, he's wide receiver twenty with an ADP of forty eight. Kev, you thought I was getting a little spicy. I think I think on the ranking show we did for the TFA pod, I think I had him at like maybe twenty two. So he's already surpassing that in ADP. And then you know I, I know. Well, Lito is going to have something to say about Tyler Boyd, but for best ball purposes, give me T Higgins. I'm like, I'm not, whenever we're going with stacks here anyway, like I'm not necessarily interested in Tyler Boyd in terms of, you know, stacking these guys in best ball, but T Higgins wide receiver 26 with an ADP of 61. So I I think we just see, we, we saw a little bit of a down year last year in terms of their offensive pace and their passing volume, I think we kind of see that tick back up to where it was two years ago. And again, they're not going to have the defense to be able to control games. They have the eighth most difficult schedule in terms of their opponent's projected win totals. So there's just going to be plenty of passing volume to go around no, no matter what. And then we're, we've gotten the reports with Mixon as far as that goes because that's been something that has been kind of disappointing and kind of holding back his true ceiling as a fantasy asset. We had the report come out from their OC earlier in the offseason saying they don't want Mixon to leave the field. And then we got the report that came out, the blurb, which I am here for all the offseason OTA training camp blurbs. And the one that came out that said Mixon was actually working at a couple uh, wide receiver spots. So if he gets involved, I think uh, Burrow has a, has a chance to finish within the top five, top six quarterbacks if everything falls uh, falls into place for him. And then obviously he's going to bring that offense. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Along with him. I actually like that stack quite a bit. Um, I think it's one you could do a lot with. I don't mind going Tyler Boyd, to be honest with you, because I feel like the Jamar Chase and T. Higgins kind of cancel each other out. Like I, I think you pick one or the other, I guess. Let me put it that way. Um, I, would ra- I would much rather have Tyler Boyd over – like I would Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, I think it would be a really good stack with Joe Burrow. Because Tyler Boyd's not going anywhere. And Tyler Boyd is one of the most under undervalued wide receivers in all of football. Like he is one of the better slot wide receivers in the league. And I think this is an offense that they're gonna run a ton of three wide receiver sets. They don't have a tight end. Um, and so I think all these guys are gonna be able to get a ton of targets here in this offense. And so I, I really don't mind that at all. Like I, I like the the, the uh, Burrow, you know, if you want to go to Jamar Chase, you'd rather go to Higgins, it's fine. But I, then running it with with uh, Tyler Boyd as well, I, I, th- I think it's a really nice stack. That was going to be my answer too, is I think that that offense is going to have enough volume uh, that it's not – that you can – you're really going to be fine with any of them. I mean, they, they led the league in pass attempts last year, didn't they? Or were, they were near the top if they weren't at the top. I know they're – 
the their uh, pace of play was down compared to two years ago, and uh, like maybe their passing rate wasn't wasn't as high. I'm not sure where they fell in terms of uh, just pure attempts, but Tyler Boyd is going has an ADP of 79 and a half. I think that puts him at like wide receiver, like 36 or 37. And he's currently sandwiched right in between uh, Juju, who's going at 78.4, and Devonta Smith, who's going at 80.7. Look at this. Debro coming yep. through. Okay, there it is. With Burrow. Yeah, I knew because I, I, I they were like, once Burrow got hurt, they, they definitely dropped. But with Burrow, they were definitely near the top. Shout oh, out, Debro. Always coming in clutch. Absolutely. He's, he's just a walking encyclopedia of stats. I mean, you can literally ask him anything, and he'll know it off the top of his head. It's 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 insane. It's his it's his life. Like literally, it, it is his life. He's literally always on Twitter. You could always like one hundred percent. You could you could ask him anything about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston right now, and and he would tell you, you know. Well, the day well, they were, the day they he's were a Taysom born, Hill and, worshiper, and he's going to tell you how good <laughs> Taysom Hill is, and oh, Jason, Jameis Winston, he, he's wrong. It's James, James season. Let, let's let's know this, right? But one thing I do like about D. Bro, he's always awake. So like when I'm up at two a.m. and you know I want to talk football with somebody, I just like, hey man, let, let, let's go sleep. ahead, and just, you know. And, and he's, he's always awake. So he's like seven eleven. <laughs> man, did you have any thoughts on a uh, on a Seahawks stack? Like I said, I know you kind of brought that up in passing uh, pre-show while Lita was asking about the uh, the stack here. Yeah, so they were. I was looking at them to be in consideration for you know the the stack that I wanted to talk about as my you know top four round stack because I mean it, it's an obvious one, right? You know, it's easy. It's it's Russ, it's DK, and it's Lockett, and you don't really have to do anything else outside of that. Um, you're going to get the boom when Russ goes off. You're going to get the boom game from the wide receiver, whether it's DK Lockett or both of them. Um, it doesn't really matter because you're going to have both. Um, the issue I have with Seattle is Russ went. Russ lit the world on fire the first half of last year. I mean, I don't think he had a single game under 25 fantasy points in that first half last year. Uh, but after that, those first eight weeks completely different story and I mean the Seahawks they struggled to score and they were not scoring points against bad defenses and it was a it was a big concern um and I think the biggest part of that is the O-line issues that they have and they didn't really do anything to address that um so and I mean we saw this play out in the Super Bowl too right like no matter how good your quarterback is he can only run for his life for so long before the pass rush rush gets to him. And, and it's just going to throw a wrench into them consistently scoring points. Um, so yes, I, I, I do think that there are going to be some big weeks out of the Seahawks. Um, I, I do have slight concerns, but I mean, it is Russell Wilson too. If they can figure out how to protect him and, and, you know, keep him in the pocket clean a little bit more, then yes, we can absolutely see a repeat of those first eight weeks that he had over the course of the entire season. And if that happens, uh, he's a league winner. Um, Cause I mean, he was just on a, a absolutely torrid pace to start the year. You know, let, let Russ cook was, was the talk of the town. Um, and he was definitely cooking. So. Well, I found it interesting too with them. It was uh, over the off season. I can't remember. Uh, whether it was Tyler Lockett or DK, but I think it was Tyler Lockett who talked about them and said that teams just figured them out in the second half because they just kept doing the same thing over and over again. And they DK. had no, 
and they had no underneath threat, right? So nobody, mm-hmm. and I, that, that's why they drafted Dwayne Eskridge uh, was to fill that role to be that that slot short intermediate route guy. And so, like I, I know, like it's like Dynasty and everywhere else, like nobody really likes Dwayne Eskridge right now. But like in terms of like best ball, like I think he's a really really sneaky guy to take later in, in draft because I think he could have a bigger role in this offense. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did air it out more than, you know, the second half of last season. Like, we saw Russ pissed off this offseason. And, you know, I I don't think they're going to want to do this again where, where they continue to go down this road where they've been doing. So, Dwayne Eskridge could end up being a much bigger piece of this offense than I think people expect. I think he could be the guy who's that short, intermediate route who, much like Doug Baldwin in his in his career, whatever he was with Seattle, I think he can be used very similarly. And so I know for me, like I think Dwayne Eskridge is one of those guys that people should be really looking at and taking late in best ball drafts because he's, he's free. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen Russ target these third string wide receivers no matter who they are, right? Like David Moore was getting work. Um, who was, was it? Freddie Swain, the guy last year that came in and got some, got some work, like he scored some touchdowns. Um, third string tight ends get in on the action occasionally. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, if you're stacking up Russ and you can get both DK or Lockett, or if you don't get one of those two, uh, I think Eskridge makes a ton of sense. Cause I mean, he's a second round pick and he should be on the field day one. And I think Chris Carson also represents uh, with how, like I said, talking about Mixon and his ADP and where he's sitting, Chris Carson, I think, is a is a nice value in terms of the the running back position currently going at RB nineteen at the uh, at the end of the third. So I really like that price for for him, all things considered. Let's go ahead and round this out. Talk about some of these cheap stacks. I know it was uh, it, it was kind of difficult and a little gross with, uh, with 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 some of these ones here toward toward the end of uh, underdog ADP. So Kev, why don't you jump in first? Talk about the uh, the cheap stack. That caught your eye. I absolutely love this fucking stack, though, because I love this offense this year, and they are being egregiously priced right now, and where, where they're being taken and valued. Like there is the only player in this entire offense that's going in the top 100 is Jonathan Taylor, who's going at six seven RB six. Other than that, every one of them are going later. Michael Pittman's going 105.6 wide receiver six. You have Paris Campbell, who's going 155.4. T.Y. Hilton, 135.6. And Carson Wentz, who's 154.3, quarterback 22. I love – if, if you go quarterback early and you're – if you go with an early stack, like I am not going to come back and get a, a quarterback who's going, you know, in the seventh, eighth round or something like that. Wait later. Like there's – you took that high draft capital pick, that high quarterback – you know, if you're going Lamar or you're going Patrick Mahomes or Kyler Murray or whoever, you're going early. There's no sense whatsoever to come back and take another quarterback within the first 10 rounds. Wait as long as you can. And this is one of those stacks you can easily do that with with Carson Wentz. Um, quarterback 22 right now. I think Carson Wentz bounces back in a big way. We're getting a lot of positive reports about Carson Wentz. Um, uh, you know, out of the OTA, so like that. I know it's early, but I, I really think that him, his relationship with Frank Reich and this offense, and again, they're another team that's been tied, or I, I don't know if they're tied to them more than other people are tying them to, but to Julio Jones, and because they're another team that definitely has the draft capital, um, or not the draft capital, but the salary cap space right now without having to do anything to be able to make that trade work. I just don't know if that's the type of trade I could see them doing. Um, 
in terms of Chris Ballard because they are much more of a team that builds within. They don't add a lot of free agents and stuff like that. They, you know, they, they build through the draft. And so, but with Carson Wentz, you know, quarterback 22, Michael Pittman, I think Michael Pittman could be a wide receiver two this year. Like I, I love Michael Pittman this year and a wide receiver 46. And then you have Paris Campbell, who I think, again, we saw it last year. We keep waiting. Paris, stay healthy. Can you stay healthy for us? Can you just stay healthy for us? Because I, the dude is absolutely dynamic. And if he can stay healthy, wide receiver, he's going 155 off the board. He's going on like wide receiver 60, right? Like he's absolutely free. And I absolutely love him as well in this offense. I think the, these two wide receivers take over as the one and two in this offense. And where T.Y. Hilton uh, factors in as the wide receiver three, they don't have anybody of, of value at tight end either. Um, you know, Mo Ali Cox, they brought him back, but they still have this solid offensive line. They signed Eric Fisher, uh, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. And so, listen, I, I think this offense is going to be a lot of fun this year. And I think, you know, with Carson Wentz, a, a revived Carson Wentz, this is one of the easiest stacks to me to take late because of how cheap it is. And I think the upside that this, this stack represents. Because it would not shock me one bit if Carson Wentz was a top 10 quarterback this year. We've seen him do it in the past, and I really would not be surprised whatsoever if he bounces back to that this year. And then, like I said, if he gets there, he's he's going to be bringing some wide receivers with him. And so that's why I have no problem with taking, especially at their price, Michael Pittman or Paris Campbell. Or it's Or you can easily grab both. Yeah, and T.Y. Hilton had the uh, the quote of he was excited to get back to to some more of the the deep passes this year with uh, with Wench joining. I, I just the, I, at, at that price, it really doesn't matter. I just feel like for Carson Wentz's sake, that wide receiver group is pretty thin. So I feel like if one of those guys goes down, that could get a that could get a little little ugly. A little quick, but well, listen, if, if there's a quarterback matter. that's used to playing with shitty uh, wide receivers, it is it is Carson Wentz because he hasn't really been dealt the, uh, when he was in Philly. The, a lot of great wide receivers, right? I mean, he made Greg Ward a thing. He made Travis Fulgham a thing. You know, so like they still have Zach Pascal who's there, but that's why I think where a lot of people f- fill in the box of Julio Jones that you know they are a team that has the, that has the cap space to be able to do it, and you know maybe the need. To be able to, because they're kind of in this window right now with this defense that they have that that is one of the best in the in the league uh, to go along with this offense. But trading with Carson Wentz, they have the cap space to make it work. And so, you know, you add Julio Jones into the mix here. Um, you know, I, I think then this offense would be. Uh, I think Carson, if they added if they added Julio Jones, I think Carson Wentz goes up into probably the top fifteen of quarterbacks off the board. I just want to say that was uh, very disrespectful of you to leave out Matt Collins' name whenever you're rattling off some of those uh, some of those other receivers. JJ Ortega Whiteside or Nelson Aguilar. Yikes! Some some bad drafting there. Whenever you look at the uh, what they've done at receiver, but Maddie, who do you like for uh, for some cheaper stacks here toward the end of uh, end of the underdog drafts? Yeah, my stack is going to be the Miami Dolphins. Um, the most expensive piece of that offense is currently Will Fuller, and he is going uh, – well, Miles Gaskin's going around 50 ADP, but he's not a part of the passing attack. Uh, Will Fuller is going around 77 ADP, so you're looking at uh, ninth, eighth, ninth round-ish. Um and then Waddle's going to 98 ADP. Devontae Parker, 116. Jasicki, 119. Uh, and then Tua's at 142. Um, 
And to us, I mean, this is going to be to his second year coming off of that hip injury that, you know, the nasty injury he had in college. Uh, he's going to be more full strength than he was last year. Uh, he's got a better understanding of the offense. Uh, he's not going to be threatened to be benched every game when, you know, when he's doing bad or to the point where they're like, okay, if we're losing, we're going to put Fitzpatrick in. Um, they got him some help at the wide receiver position, bringing in Will Fuller. Um, they already had Devontae Parker, you know, who was a main staple of the offense, just sicky. Uh, and then they paired up to him with his, his, one of his college teammates, uh, in Jalen Waddle. So, uh, there's definitely some familiarity there between those two. And, uh, we know the game breaking speed Waddle has, we know the game breaking speed Will Fuller has, uh, th- that offense has all of a sudden become a very explosive offense, uh, just from a couple of additions, uh, that they've made. And when, when Tua was at quarterback last year, the weeks that he was in, Dolphins ranked 14th in situation-neutral pass rate. So um, they were hovering around the 58% pass rate mark. Um, so that's, you know, that for a team that was playing from mainly in front while Tua was in, with the exception of two or three games where, and we even saw, you know, we saw a 48-attempt game and a 58-attempt game out of Tua in games that they were trailing. Um the games that they were winning handily, he only threw, you know, low twenties. So there was definitely, definitely concern about that. But, um, you know, I think that again, coming into a a second year offense, uh, you know, they don't really have running backs that they just want to take over the game. I think it's going to be into his hands. They spent heavy draft capital into it, despite the injury, they're bringing in wide receivers to put around him. Uh, they believe in him. So it's, you know, if, if if they're not going to let Tua sling the rock and, and control this offense, then, why did you draft him and make the, all these offensive upgrades uh, in the first place? So, um, and I, I know some people will have the counter argument. Well, the Dolphins defense, uh, you know, was one of the top units in the league last year. And, and yes, they, they very well could do that again. But I've, I've learned that defenses are one of the things that are the least predictive from year over year, um, especially at defending, you know, certain aspects of, of a game, right? Like, what was it three years ago? We were like, Oh, Tampa Bay has the worst defense in the NFL. Just play running backs against them every single, every single game. And then the next year they're the number one rush defense and allowing like 10 yards on 18 carries to McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. And you're just like, what? So it's, it's just one of those things, you know, like I I try not to put too much eggs in one basket, you know, when, when figuring out which defenses are going to remain really, really good uh, from last year to this year. So uh, I won't let that take me off too. I just think, you know, he's got a lot of arrows pointing up for him and and they're a cheap offense, uh, a talented offense and a cheap one. So yeah, I, I love the Dolphins. That was one that, that caught my eye as well, Maddie. One that definitely doesn't feel as, as gross or as thin as this one, but I'm going to stay in the AFC East for mine. I'm going to go with the, the Jets here, tried to try to paint inside the lines that the Kev gave us. Uh, outside of Michael Carter, rookie running back, who, you know, for the brand I, I'm all about, he's going in the mid-seventh. Outside of that, everybody is going outside of the 10th round. After Michael Carter, or uh, excuse me, uh, Corey Davis comes in the mid-ninth at 115, and then you have Elijah Moore at the end of the 11th, Denzel Mims in the early 12th, and then Zach Wilson in the mid-14th. I mean, the the – I think people are looking at the the staff that came over from, you know, from San Francisco, and they're trying to apply, you know, what they did in San Francisco to this team. But guess, like, 
you're not going to be able to have that same offensive and defensive team philosophy here, even though the, the the defensive line looks really good on paper with some of the additions they made, bringing in Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins to go along with Q Williams. I mean, I, I still think they have some questions at linebacker. They definitely have questions at, at corner. Their safeties are, are solid. But other than that, like you're not going to be able to control as much as I like Michael Carter. You're not going to be able to absolutely control games like, you know, like Sam Fran did with, uh, with that run game, even though they have uh, – Elijah Vera Tucker to go next to Makai Becton. They're just not going to be able to do that. But I, I, I do like some of the pieces. And again, in best ball, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see some of these guys go off. Maddie, like you were saying, the the point with you know some of these mid stacks and some of these late stacks is you're not going to get some of these guys who are going off. You know, multiple guys from the same team. But I, I think you can still snag some of these guys. And I think that you know guys like. Denzel Mims, who can take the top off. Elijah Moore, who's an absolute terror in space. And then we saw Corey Davis, you know, finally start to produce toward the uh, the end of his time in Tennessee. So this is just one that that's super cheap. And, you know, you're definitely not going to have to pay, obviously, in any kind of insane prices. And to go back to my point with, you know, Chris Carson being a nice value as far as running backs go, I think Michael Carter is a really nice value if you're looking for, you know, your your RB four or so in the in the mid seventh. A guy you can get who should be able to handle sixty ish percent of the uh, percent of the touches there because I don't think that there's anybody else in that backfield who can really push him. So as long as he you know can get the playbook and he's not making mistakes or anything like that, I think he ends up being the lead back and being able to get the lead back in the mid seventh round is something that uh that I will be all about, especially this year with how, how crazy it is with, uh, with running backs. You know, speaking of the rookie quarterbacks that, you, you know, bringing up Zach Wilson, but the other rookie quarterbacks, I think one approach is if you go quarterback early, say you go, you go with a Dak stack or, um, you know, Josh Allen or whomever early or early in the draft, I think taking one of these quarterbacks like uh, Justin Fields or, um, uh, not Trevor Lawrence, but Trey Lance. Trey Lance or Justin Fields, who likely aren't going to start the year, but there's a really good chance that they are going to, at some point in this year, uh, that you're, you're not going to need them early on to be able to produce. And I think taking them, you know, as your as your quarterback too, uh, I think makes a lot of sense because of that upside that they can provide on the ground in those offenses that they're going to be in, especially Trey Lance uh, in San Francisco because of that offense and how dynamic that offense is and with Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, I, I, so I, I don't mind doing that as taking your second quarterback, a guy that you're, you know, that you're not really worried about early on. You drafted that quarterback to start, but the upside of that other quarterback you're going to draft, um, I, I think, you know, because those guys upside Trey Lance and Justin Fields, both for this year, at least later on in the season, is as high as any quarterback because of the, the situations that they're in. I think that's a great point, Kev. Uh, and that's uh, definitely something I've talked about too, or we have as a group is, you know, when you plant your flag on a unique position like quarterback or tight end early in the draft, um, you know, you're really banking on that guy smashing for a good majority of the year. And if he doesn't get there, you're likely toast anyways, because you wasted a very high draft capital on a position that you don't need to spend high draft capital on most of the time. Um, so like if Mahomes is going to pay off, you, let's say you take Mahomes first, uh, you're as your top QB, 
Uh, if he's going to pay off, you know, the the odds that your second QB are in your starting lineup because he outscored Mahomes are very minimal if Mahomes is paying off. Now, if Mahomes is not paying off and you need a guy like so, like a QB you needed to draft in the seventh round, then you shouldn't have drafted Mahomes on that team anyways uh, because, you know, he's being outscored and, and you wasted a third-round pick on a quarterback or a second-round pick on a quarterback. Um, so I think that that strategy makes a ton of sense, you know, trying to get – a, a high upside guy uh, who may not see the field for the first month of the year, but has a chance to step in and, and really, you know, really have success. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think that that makes a ton of sense. I'm actually in a, uh, in a best ball 10 right now, because up until I think what Kev earlier this week, you sent me the, uh, the, the tweet that underdog opened up and opened up in PA but actually, that's exactly what I did. I took Kyler early, and then I got Trey Lance at the beginning of the fourteenth. So that's that's exactly what I did. Yeah, and I was I like that. I, yeah, I saw him sitting there, and I was like, th- there was a, a team that already that had three quarterbacks, and I think everybody else had two except me. So it's going to start getting pretty uh, pretty thin here. And I I was looking through, and I saw Trey Lance, and I just said, "Yep, let's let's go ahead and do that." So. Uh, we, we do have one more question here. It comes from our guy, Walido. Any interest in a bill stack? Uh, you know, he's talking about getting Diggs and Allen early, but then, you know, who, who do you get there with between Beasley and Manny? And then Jabba Dabba is all about that Bills stack life. So any uh, either of you have any any interest or any thoughts on, on a bill stack? And, you know, and then another question, I guess, is there – and either those or any of those running backs that you're interested in at all for Buffalo? Well, I, I think on a couple levels, I think that that, that team is a team that um, in terms of – because, I mean, Gabriel Davis, I think, is another uh, play, place you could go in terms of uh, completing that stack. Dawson Knox, if he can take another step forward this year um, as the tight end in that offense. I, I, I think there's different ways you can go. Like, really outside of digs and – uh, Allen, like it, it's it's a relatively cheaper stack that you can get to, and you know pair w- with with Josh Allen. And I don't, you know, honestly, I don't really mind taking a shot on Zach Moss either. If you wanted to, I think he's going in like the seventh, eighth, ninth round range, somewhere right in there. I'd have to uh, look it up on Underdog. And like, I don't hate that. Like, I I think he has upside. Like, listen, Devin Singletary's a bum. Okay, and. I don't know if Zach Moss is any better. I know towards the end of the year before he got hurt, they were trying to give him more opportunities, and he was starting to take over the backfield a little bit. Then he got hurt. And so I think the the problem with Zach Moss is is going to be that Josh Allen. Yeah. But in terms of best ball, we don't really care, right? Because you're, you're likely taking measure RB4. You're not starting him every week. And you're hoping that he can get you – if he can get you four or five RB2 weeks, you know, throughout the season and become, a you know, a option for you, then you'll take that all day in that spot. And I think that he can definitely get there. Um, so I don't mind Zach Moss, um, and you know, taking him. Uh, at his current ADP now, if he gets higher, because I've heard some more, I've heard people you know hype him up a little bit as well. If he happens to get higher and higher, then I'd probably be out. But as where he's currently going, I don't mind it. And then you know, if you want to go a Manny Sanders um, or a Gabe Davis, I, I think both of those are also options uh, uh, in a bill stack. 
Yeah, I think the Bills are definitely in play. Uh, I'm on the same page as you guys. Uh, I think the ADPs are are depressed because I mean, like you just said, Kev, Josh Allen, you know, he steals a lot of the a lot of the touchdown equity with his legs and doesn't always, you know, attach it to somebody else on the offense. So um, that's that's definitely a concern for the the lesser guys, um, considering how much love Stephon Diggs gets from Josh Allen. Um, but I mean, they run a lot of four wide receiver sets. So, I mean, those, all those guys are going to be on the field at the same time. Uh, Davis, Manny Sanders, uh, Beasley, and and Diggs. So, um, there's definitely a ton of opportunity for them to go around. And, I mean, they ran, like, what, the three rushing plays in that one in that playoff game last year in the first half or uh, something ridiculous. And, I, I mean, they've showed that they will just let Josh Allen go out there and chuck it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that makes a ton of sense to, to stack up the Bills, too, especially um, with – how cheap those secondary pieces are and, and, you know, kind of the same point we've made on, on other offenses too, like the Ravens. Uh, you know, if you just get the one guy that like you pick Josh Allen and, and Diggs, maybe Diggs goes for a hundred yards, but, but Gabe Davis catches two long touchdowns. Um, you know, you get that, that exposure to an offense that's going to score a lot of points. And and I, I think that that's the name of the game in best ball. RB 35 for Zach Moss. By the way, ADP of ninety-five. Yeah. So then, yeah, I, I I don't mind that one one bit. Um, I did want to ask really quick because this kind of came to mind. And I was thinking about it. What? How would you feel about a Tennessee Titan stack though? Because you know AJ Brown, you're going to get him in the second. You know, you probably get him in the second round, right? And as long as they don't add another wide receiver there, like I absolutely love. AJ Brown this year. I think he can be the wide receiver one overall this year. I think he can absolutely smash one of the most efficient wide receivers. Now you put him, give him 140 targets, but then Ryan Tannehill is not being drafted early whatsoever. Um, you could get him. And if they can maintain the same efficiency as, as they have the last couple of years, um, I don't mind that as kind of a, you know, if you want to take Ryan Tannehill as your second quarterback off the board here in this offense, it's obviously it's not something you want as the early, but I think somebody, you know, you think maybe you stack him with uh, Anthony Furcher, who's also uh, pretty much free at this, at this point, um, who's going to be the tight end one in this offense, or if you wanted to go Josh Reynolds, but I just think it's kind of a sneaky snack or a sneaky, sneaky stack. A stinky stack. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Well, I, I just don't know if you're going to be able to grab both of those guys with um, with Henry. Obviously, he's going at 3.9. Him and Saquon Barkley kind of seem to be the, the two that are split at the third spot. Barkley going at 3.5. And then A.J. Brown, I think, is just going to continue to creep up. He's already going at 16.5. So I'm not sure if you're going to be able to grab both of those guys unless, you know, you, you get into a, a draft with, you know, me and you, Kevin, we're just absolutely hating on Derrick Henry. Shout out to the uh, to the comment section, um, you know, and he kind of slips to that, you know, RB six kind of spot. I'm, I, I'm just, I just don't know if you're going to be able to grab both of those guys. If I well, if I did it, I would not take Derrick Henry as part of the stack. It would just be AJ Brown, <laughs> and then I would take Ryan Tannehill, and then probably like Anthony Furcher or something like that, or Josh Reynolds or whatever. Yeah, you have to take Josh Reynolds. I mean, they have, they literally have nobody else. Like it's what, uh, what is it? Nick Westbrook, a kind, or however you say his name is their third string wide receiver. He's going to be starting. Uh, Fitzpatrick. Their say what? Pick. Uh, rookie. Uh, yeah, yeah, Fitzpatrick yeah. They yeah. Brought in. yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, so I mean, I, they do run a lot of two wide receiver sets. So it's going to be Reynolds and and AJ Brown to start the year most likely. Um, but I mean, I, I put me in the camp that I think Corey Davis is better than people give him credit for. Um, and also, I think the loss of Johnny Smith is big too. Um, Johnny is such a key piece of that offense, even though he didn't put up weekly numbers, uh, Matt Monster numbers. But I mean, he is a legit mismatch in, in any facet of the game. Uh, and you have to account for him. So I think losing Corey Davis and Johnny Smith and replacing them with, you know, a bunch of lesser named guys is really going to put a hit on that efficiency that we've seen over the last two years. Um, I think if you like Tennessee, you just draft AJ Brown and log out and and leave it at that. At least that's how I'm going to approach it. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. It's just, it's just one thing I have found when drafting in terms of trying to create a stack is either a, you're, you're, you're really trying to force it, right? Because you, you, you almost have to reach a little bit because if, if you're going to complete a stack, like you have to get those guys as quickly as you can. And, and, and in terms of the early stacks or the mid, even the mid stacks, right? Like you can't mess around. Like, oh, I'm going to wait for this guy to get here. Um, now I would say instead of trying to force it, you kind of let, let it play out a, as you go. And okay. You know, I got this guy here, you know, let's say you take AJ Brown and then, or Stefan Diggs, for example, and you're sitting there in the fourth round and Josh Allen's on the board. Okay. You know, let's go ahead and take Josh Allen, you know, you, you get start that stack or whatever. But, you know, if you're really wanting one of these earlier on guys, like you have to really force it. And it kind of puts you in a position to where you're, you're probably foregoing some other value that's on the board to be able to complete that stack to where some of these stacks are going to be a little bit easier to come by. Even like the Stafford one you talked about, um, I, I really like Stafford, that, that stack as well, because Stafford is right now being criminally undervalued, which he is every year. But I think that offense has the potential to be a top five offense this year with Stafford and Cup and Woods. And then even getting like a Van Jefferson uh, as well or Tyler Higby in, in, in that stack. I think I absolutely love that because those guys are going pretty late as well. So it's not something you're going to have to really invest heavy draft capital in. And I, I really like that as well. But to go early in some of these guys, you know, if you're going to get Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, you, you're really going to have to force it and, and make, you know, and uh, maybe even get a little bit aggressive on them, even or maybe draft them around earlier than their ADP dictates to be able to really complete it. Yeah. Last one here. We'll get out of this. Well, leader wants to know about the Falcons stack. I think it's probably one of the ones that's the most feasible to do just with how, how spread out they are. Uh, Calvin Ridley currently going at the end of the second. I think that's going to shoot up, especially as we get, you know, once Julio gets out of there. Gab, I know you said on the rankings that if Julio gets traded, you could potentially see putting Calvin Ridley in like your top two or three wide receivers going into the year. You have Mike Davis going at the end of the fourth. And then I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to have to make the choice between Mike Davis or Kyle Pitts. Pitts is currently going at 58.1. I think with Julio out of the picture, I think we just keep seeing Pitts' ADP rise even further. And then, uh, you know, Matt Ryan, even though he's going to have all these weapons at his disposal, he's I don't think we see a, a, a bump for him. So I definitely think this is a, a doable stack. That defense, still not great. Going to be a bunch of shootouts playing that division as well. So that's a stack I like. Uh, any any other thoughts on the Falcons stack or how you would uh, how you would approach that one? I still like the Falcons. Um, I don't know if I would invest 
uh, in terms of a stack. Like I like Calvin Ridley a lot, and I think that he is going to what Tulio go, what goes kind of the same thing where you just draft him. Um, I don't mind Matt Ryan. I still think Matt Ryan has something left in the tank. He threw 4,600 yards, 26 touchdowns last year. That defense is still going to be trash. I can't mess with Kyle Pitts, though, at that ADP. Uh, I love Kyle Pitts, and but he's only going to go higher. I guarantee you he's going to go up. Like, he's not going to go down. Now, maybe the market in, in with everybody else, what a lot of people are going to say, maybe he drops down a little bit once we get to August, but I don't see it happening. I think people are just going to predict that once Julio leaves, that he is going to get those targets that Julio got. Who else is there? I mean, Russell Gage would be the other guy that you'd really want because Russell Gage is cheap. I like taking Russell Gage later in best ball drafts because I think that he is definitely a guy that that I think that can give you some wide receiver three, wide receiver two type weeks. And so, but Kyle, Kyle Pitts is probably going to end up going in like the high 40s but by, by the time we get to August. And that's just too high for a, a rookie tight end that's never stepped foot on a field. I think that he can be an outlier. I really honestly do. I know a lot of people like it's cool to to act like that it's ridiculous to think that Kyle Pitts could have 800 receiving yards uh, like like it's like it's some sort of feat because I think that he's going to be used all over the field. I think he is never going to come off the field, which is the the big difference between a lot of these tight ends. Like most of these tight ends don't see the field that much their rookie season. A lot, they, a lot of these guys aren't out here playing 100% of the snaps. Kyle Pitts is going to play 100% of the snaps. He is going to get 100, 100 to 120 targets. I, I would almost bet you're maybe not 120, probably 80 to 100 targets. I think you can safely count on that. Right, um, especially if Julio Jones is traded, because they're gonna have to throw the ball somewhere. They don't have anybody else. Hayden Hurst is still there. They're gonna run a tw- ton of 12, uh, 12 personnel um, with him and Kyle Pitts on the field, and then you have Russell Gage. I mean, past that, who do they ha- who do they have? Christian Blake, Zacchaeus, you know, and I mean, like they have nobody else. You talk about a thin wide receiver room once Julio Jones is gone. It's uh, Christian Balake. By the way, <laughs> I will never. I, I do. You remember the Thursday? Was it Thanksgiving? Was it Thanksgiving? It was Thanksgiving slate, and we were and Julio was uh, was out. Remember? And I re- definitely remember on the DFS show that I was uh, advocating for Christian Blake in that game, and he did. I think he had like double digit fantasy points. I have to. I'm, I'm pretty sure he worked out. He was a sub one percent play. I got crushed by Maddie and Ryan, but of course, once again, <laughs> I come through with uh, my sub one percent play of Christian Blake, and it worked out, but. Speaking of which, Ryan, if you're watching this, FanDuel, really? You know, we haven't got to talk about it. He's <laughs> over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the stone cold worst. Like, that's like, we hate FanDuel. Okay. I'm happy for you that you got this opportunity and that you're you're doing stuff with FanDuel. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it on Twitter, Ryan Williams is, uh, you know, helping out the FanDuel team over there, creating content. But FanDuel, really? Couldn't win with DraftKings? I don't know. I'm just saying. He says he's going to get us to play FanDuel. I can tell you it ain't going to happen with me. But, you know, maybe Maddie will come over to the dark side and play some FanDuel. But I will not. But regardless, congratulations. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Yeah. And so uh, I will say, hopefully, we're hoping he'll be back for the the start of week one, the NFL season, so I can tell him why he's wrong all the time. But I would be remiss not to tell him congrats. You know, love you. So, absolutely. And with that, with that note, we are going to get out of here. We appreciate you guys jumping in. Make sure you're subscribed. Going to be doing the uh, the best ball shows a little more often. Get back on this bandwagon. The redraft content is going to start to really pump out here. 
player versus player videos like we did last year. The Dynasty content is not going to stop either. And we also have some Debbie content coming out as well. So make sure you get tuned in here. Going to have all of your fantasy football needs. And until next time, see ya. Think you're a big man. <laughs> I'll treat you like you're a little man. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.